Welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks so much for tuning in. On today's show, we'll be looking at some of the tax and accounting ramifications of the coronavirus pandemic with Grant Thornton's David Meyer and Rena Puri. If you're new to the show, today's episode is actually the second one we've produced related to the pandemic. Last week, we spoke with an economist from the CoStar Group about the virus's short and long-term impact on the commercial real estate industry here in DFW. Check that out wherever you get your podcasts. TrackCast is available on most of the major platforms, so subscribe today and get every new episode right to your mobile device. For the latest coronavirus news and resources from around the city of Dallas and the commercial real estate industry, and it is very extensive, log on to recouncil.com backslash coronavirus. Now, Here's Grant Thornton's David Meyer and Rena Parikh right here on TrackCast. Rena, Dave, thank you both so much for, for joining us today. I'd like to start by letting you introduce yourselves and, and tell us a bit about your roles with Grant Thornton. Sounds good. Yeah, thank you, Bill. So this is Rena Parikh. Uh, I'm an audit partner at Grant Thornton. We have a Dallas office. Uh, and um, I uh, lead a real estate practice here in the Dallas area, and also I'm a uh, lead partner for our financial service audit practice. Yeah, and this is Dave Meyer. I'm a, a tax partner based here in Dallas, uh, and I serve as the overall relationship partner on one of the largest real estate clients uh, in the firm uh, in the U.S. And I work with a number of other real estate clients, and then uh, my tax background is really partnerships. So I also do um, some partnership stuff in some other industries. And I'm a member of our national real estate and construction industry team. And then finally, I'm very proud to be a uh, the lead national executive sponsor of our veterans group. What accounting factors do companies have to consider as the uh, COVID-19 outbreak continues? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take that, Bill. So, um, yeah, I know we... We all are in a very historical, unusual time, and you know the companies have a lot to consider. Of course, safety of their people and employees first, and also managing their operational changes. Uh, but there are a number of accounting uh, considerations, you know, that has uh, emerged, and I probably are going to emerge as we continue through this outbreak. Um, so um, let me just go through some some of the key ones that I uh, see that you know, are going to apply to most of the companies and uh, some specific to the real estate companies. Um, uh, you know, the, the liquidity and going concern and the uh, impairment of the assets is uh, going to be at the forefront for everybody to consider. Uh, you know, many of the companies have already activated their business continuity plans. Uh, and, uh, you know, we would expect all of the companies to reassess their going concern analysis, uh, you know, in the coming quarters uh, to assess the impact of the pandemic uh, and in uh, and determine, you know, if there is a substantial doubt about they being able to continue for uh, near term and, you know, at least for the next 12 months. And uh, some of that might require, uh, you know, a lot more additional disclosure, uh, especially for the public companies that are, you know, going to finalize that first quarter soon. Uh, and even even the companies that uh, are finishing their 2019 financials, uh, you know, they all need to consider, uh, you know, what will be the impact on their uh, being able to continue. 
um, you know, the cash flow and liquidity again is uh, definitely a, going to be a challenge uh, for uh, for all of uh, several of the companies. Um, so the companies that are going to need some sort of a temporary waiver for their debt obligations, uh, you know, need to consider the, the modification and the restructuring accounting, uh, which will be important for them to consider. Uh, and even their long-lived assets, uh, you know, the properties and the uh, equipment that they normally uh, uh, don't, uh, you know, test their recoverability, uh, uh, um, you know, in each reporting period. But with the unusual time uh, that we are in, uh, with the significant decrease in the market prices, um, and even the you know, just the impact due to the manner in which some of their uh, the assets may get used in future might require the companies to assess uh, if there's any asset impairment uh, that they need to consider from accounting perspective. Um, so, I mean, those are some of the large one um, areas. Uh, I mean, I'll just bring up a couple of other things that are probably more relevant to some of the real estate companies. Uh, uh, you know, the, all of the real estate companies, they do have leases, either they are leasing properties or they are the lessor in most of the cases. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, just with the the market situation, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, the the lease relief that are being given, or maybe in some cases, uh, and the lessor may not be able to now collect of the lease payment, uh, um, you know, which might result in the lease modification that uh, needs to be considered uh, for accounting perspective, and and also the assessment of uh, uh, you know any deferred rents that they have in the book that. Uh, may not be collectible uh, anymore. So, um, and, and just to kind of touch a little bit, and you know, there's a lot of discussion about uh, the timing of the events, and you know, most of these events occurred uh, post 12 31 19. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of events that are occurring in first quarter, and and some of the impact may not be known until uh, you know, maybe as we go into the second quarter. Uh, so, from accounting perspective, uh, you know, they, the companies need to assess um, all of the subsequent events that are occurring and, uh, uh, you know, especially for the 12, 31, uh, 19, uh, the companies, uh, most of these are subsequent events that will require some sort of uh, disclosure, um, but, but as the public companies that they finalize their first quarter filings, uh, you know, they need to consider, you know, all the disruption to their uh, business, uh, whether supply chain uh, or even uh, the supply chain of their customer or bankruptcy of their customer uh, and the government actions that may impact their entity or their customer um, and, uh, uh, you know, conclude if those uh, uh, subsequent events are basically requiring a disclosure or might require uh, the actual uh, assessment uh, or impact on their financial statement as they close that first quarter. Um, so it's a lot of different areas, you know, especially from public company perspective. Uh, uh, you know, we would expect uh, a lot of discussion in the MDNA and even in the risk and uncertainty section uh, to discuss uh, the impact uh, on their uh, revenue income operation and also potential impact. Uh, that could disrupt their business if uh, this pandemic continues for a longer period of time. How should asset management companies protect themselves and their Q1 valuations? Um, yeah, so uh, definitely the companies uh, and the investments that uh, uh, they they are using fair value model. Uh, this could be the asset management companies or the investment funds. 
um, a, a lot to consider. And, uh, you know, they lot to consider, but at the same time, they're also going to have a lot of challenges because uh, there is still so much uh, instability in the market and uh, there are not a lot of clarity available. Uh, um, you know, however, you know, there are going to be some, some real estate products that are going to be more impacted, uh, you know, like the hotel or student housing or even small retail uh, definitely will be a lot more impacted. But some of the other products like industrial, you know, may not have a large enough valuation impact. But, uh, you know, the companies definitely need to consider their assumptions that they're using in the valuation model, uh, like income assumption or, you know, the, the occupancy rate or the stabilized occupancy assumption, uh, the credit loss or, you know, the any rent relief that are expected. Uh, if, you know, uh, those definitely needs to be considered in the valuation model uh, and uh, before they finalize their uh, uh, first quarter reporting. The SEC has provided several items of relief to public filers. Can you break down what these relief items are and what options are available if people are still unable to meet those filing requirements? Uh, yeah, so SEC has issued, uh, you know, they had issued an order in March, earlier March, and now they have issued a device order uh, to extend the conditional relief uh, to the SEC filers uh, who are impacted by COVID-19 disruption. Uh, so the SEC registrar now have provided that, uh, you know, all the companies will have additional 45 days uh, to file any of the disclosure report or the periodic filing. Uh, so this will be applicable and available to the companies uh, who uh, will be finalizing their first quarter uh, 10Q filings. Uh, so that any filings that were due between March 1st and July 1st uh, now will have additional 45 days, a grace period. Uh, I, I just want to remind that the, the registrant that are seeking to rely on these order uh, will be required to file, file a Form 8K or Form 6K. Uh, as may be applicable to them, uh, and uh, uh, and basically kind of notify that they are using uh, this additional relief. The IRS has moved the April 15th filing deadline to July 15th. What is covered under this change, and is there anything that, that isn't covered? Yeah, I'll take that one. So the official extension of the deadline uh, was delivered on March 20th via Secretary Mnuchin's Twitter account. Quote, we are moving tax day from April 15th to July 15th. All taxpayers and businesses will have this additional time to file and make payments without interest or penalties, end quote. That's the first time I can remember tax law ever being delivered by uh, by tweet. But as you can imagine, with a 140-character limit, uh, there were quite a few critical details that were lacking. Of course. Uh, most of those details have been filled in since um, since then uh, with three IRS notices and then a set of frequently asked questions posted to the IRS website. So what is covered? Uh, all income tax filings and payments for the 2019 tax year that are due on April 15th are postponed to July 15th. The forms that are covered, so 1040, so that's the individuals, the 1041 series, so that's the various trusts, 1120 series, which of most interest to our listeners uh, will be 1120 REITs, but also other corporate returns are there, and then some other returns as well. All tax payments related to these forms 
are postponed to the 15th. First quarter estimated tax payments due on April 15th are postponed to July 15th. Gift tax returns and payments postponed. Uh, health savings accounts, medical savings accounts, and IRA contributions are normally due prior to the original due date of the tax returns, which were April 15th. That's been postponed to July 15th. Fiscal year 2019 taxpayers who had a final extension date of April 15th, that's been postponed. So what is not covered? Um, refund claims for prior years. So if you're trying to amend a tax return from three years ago and it's due on April 15th, it's still due on April 15th. Um, returns for payments with a due date other than April 15th. These have not been postponed or changed yet. They, they still might, but as of now, they are not. So examples of that, I know many of our listeners may be on uh, boards of charities. So 990s are still due on May 15th, not extended. The second quarter estimated tax payment date of June 15th is still June 15th. So we've got this really weird situation this year where the, the second estimated tax payment is on June 15th and the first estimated tax payment is on July 15th. So that could present some interesting opportunities, but I'm sure the IRS will figure that out and shut all of those down. Um, payroll taxes are not um, a limit, are not extended by this guidance, although in a little bit we'll get into some, some deferrals available for payroll. Excise taxes are not, estate taxes are not, information taxes, information returns are not. Uh, fiscal year tax returns with any due date other than April 15th are not. And then a really weird one, 2020 short period returns. So if your year started on January 1st and you did a merger or something on January 20th, your tax return is still due April 15th. And then the very last one to be careful about is state tax returns. Many state tax returns automatically extend with a federal extension. Most states have moved to provide some relief, but before you assume that your state tax return does not have to be extended on April 14th, I would double check for the particular state you're dealing with. Now, you mentioned the uh, payroll taxes. I understand that there is a payroll tax credit available for employers with fewer than 500 employees. How does that work? So the very first piece of relief we've got, we got when, when uh, the COVID-19 situation started to become a little bit scary, uh, was, a, was the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. And there are a couple pieces to that. The Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act, which provides um, 80 hours of sick leave if you have a federal, state, or local quarantine or isolation order, self-quarantining under the advice of a healthcare provider, COVID-19 symptoms, assisting a family member who's quarantined, or a child whose school or daycare shut down. The second piece is the Family and Medical Leave Expansion Act, and employees who can't work or can't telework 
can get up to 12 weeks of leave. There are, there are dollar caps on both of these, but the significant thing about both of these is these are not tax rules. These are labor law rules. So these are not optional. If you meet the requirements of having to provide benefits and you have under 500 employees, you may have to, uh, then you are required to provide these benefits. So step one in the, in the determination is having a labor attorney uh, tell you that, yes, you are subject to these rules and that you have to uh, provide these benefits. So then step two is a, is a tax credit. Um, it's a refundable payroll tax credit that's intended to kind of mirror the benefits you're required to provide and it reimburses you for the cash that you had to expend on providing those benefits. So, of course, a CPA can help you with with those uh, with the credit aspect. Um, many of our clients are are really paying and covering their employers anyway, so they want to skip straight to how do I get my credit? But you still have to make the determination that you're required to provide those benefits even if you would have done it anyway. And as long as you're required, the credit's available. Can you explain for us the tax provisions that were included in the $2 trillion stimulus that President Trump signed last week? Sure. So uh, the overall theme of the Tax Act, uh, and it's called the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security, uh, or CARES Act. So it's nice to know that Congress cares about us. But the overall theme is cash flow. And so there's a lot of stuff in this bill designed to provide an enhanced cash flow for everybody to keep the economy propped up while we're uh, having a slowdown to, to get through the, the COVID-19 situation. And so the, the much publicized um, aspect of, of this has been the $1,200 that every adult's going to get and $500 that every child's going to get um, subject to some, some phase-outs and some other limitations. And so that's the bill we're talking about. So, so the first thing I think that's of, of interest to the real estate world is qualified improvement property, um, which is basically almost anything you do to improve the inside of a, of a building. Um, in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was the big uh, tax bill we got at the end of 2017, uh, President Trump's signature tax bill, uh, they accidentally screwed up and left out qualified improvement property from the definition of 15-year property. And because of um, various political maneuverings, the technical correction to that piece was never pushed through until now. And so now we can go all the way back to January 1st of 2018. And if you've got qualified improvement property on the inside of a building, you can now treat that as 15-year property, which in some cases uh, may be eligible for bonus depreciation. And you should be able to immediately get some tax refunds there. So that's part of this overall theme of getting cash to people. Uh, a second major piece of this bill, which is not quite as big of a deal for the real estate world, but it's going to be a big deal for everybody else. So 
uh, something that's a big deal for your tenants uh, should be of interest to uh, to our real estate listeners. So employment taxes, so the, the 6.2% piece of Social Security tax that employers have to pay from now until the end of this year is now can be deferred. And so you don't have to pay it. And then you add it all up, how much you deferred, and 50% of that's going to be due in December of 21, and the other 50% is going to be due in December 22. So that's like an interest-free loan from the government. Uh, the next piece that may be of interest, this is another uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act issue. So when the, the two 2017 legislation came out, there was kind of a, a sneak piece uh, in there that caught everybody by surprise, which was a limit on the, the ability to deduct interest expense. And they did give a huge break to the real estate community in that we could exempt ourselves out of that by making uh, a real estate trader business election. Um, but what this uh, this section did, and I hate to use code sections, but this one gets uh, complained about enough so many people may know it, section 163J. So what 163J did is it limited interest expense to no more than 30% of adjusted taxable income. So the relief that's been provided in the Stimulus Act is they've jacked up the limitation to 50% for 2019 and 2020. And then, you know, everybody's taxable income is going to take a dip in 2020, but they allow us to use 2019 in the calculation for 2020. So hopefully we're using a higher and more profitable year. So the question then uh, for real estate uh, becomes, well, if you'd known the limitation was 50% instead of 30%, maybe you would have not made the real estate election so that you could take more favorable depreciation back in 2018. And so both the American Institute of CPAs and the American Bar Association have asked questions of IRS and Treasury about how this applies to uh, the real estate industry, and we'll see what happens there. Another big piece uh, in the new bill is the employee retention credit. Uh, so there is a 50% refundable payroll tax credit for paying up to $10,000 in employee wages for a business that's shut down because of government order or saw a 50% decrease in gross receipts. Well, most businesses seem to be either shut down because of government order or seeing a decrease. So uh, this is going to apply to, to most. And there's um, a couple of other nuances. If you have less than 100 employees, which is many companies uh, in the real estate world, uh, then your employees don't, you know, can still be working. They can be working from home and you still get the credit. However, there's a major caveat here that if you are going to take one of the small business interruption loans that is later forgivable, you don't want to take this credit and you can't take this credit. And so I think most um, clients that I've talked to are very interested in the small business interruption loans and are pursuing those as information rapidly becomes available on that.
Um, the other unknown about this provision, you know, because most of the payroll taxes have been deferred, we're trying to figure out, okay, how is a refundable payroll tax credit in the short term going to apply if we deferred our most of our payroll taxes um, with another uh, provision of this act. So we'll get that sorted out. But in either case, um, there's a lot of cash flow available here. Um, there's some other benefits that are primarily available to corporations. And since most real estate um, organizations are not, I'll mention those very briefly. Uh, corporate net operating losses uh, have been enhanced and now carry back is available for five years to 2018, 19, and 20 against 100% of income. Uh, corporate refunds are available for remaining alternative minimum tax credit carry forwards. And there's some increase to uh, the what's allowed for corporate charitable contributions. So if you happen to be organized as a corporation, there's some other benefits there available for you. Are there any other changes being considered that our listeners should should know about? I, I would expect um, as fast as all of this has happened, um, it seems like every day is is a new day as far as new information and new benefits available. And as the magnitude of the the economic situation continues to to magnify, um, I think there are going to be a lot more uh, benefits available. And so I think we just need to monitor um, almost daily what's going on because there will be new stuff coming out um, uh, weekly, if not daily. Yeah, I was going to add, even from the accounting perspective, um, it would be the same. Um, you know, as the situation is evolving every day, uh, there are going to be a lot of other changes and implications that companies have not currently thought about on their operations. So, uh, you know, uh, I would think that next few quarters, there will be a lot of different things that will evolve, which might have an accounting impact. Rena, Dave, thank you both so much for joining us and sharing your insight. Please stay safe out there. Yeah, you do the same, Bill. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you, Bill. I'd like to once again thank today's guests, David Meyer and Rena Parikh of Grand Thornton, for chatting with us. Please subscribe to TrekCast wherever you download podcasts, follow Trek on social media, and check out our coronavirus resource page over at recouncil.com backslash coronavirus. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.